What thing do so people you'd comment? Was that a bear? Was that a bear? He wasn't even there. No, but he knows the story. Yeah, I know. And no one else that that's was com- there listened to our podcast. Yeah, and, and that's when we come back. You weren't even there. All <laughs> 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 um, oh, right. Hey. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Crimes of the Times. I'm Haley. And I'm Lauren. And today, Haley is telling us about the USS Indianapolis. Yes. All right, Lauren, do you know anything about the USS Indianapolis, or do you remember anything that I've said about this? Uh, no. Okay. So, you guys may have heard it, may have heard of it, may have not have heard of it. Um... I mean, the only reason I know what this is is because of the movie Jaws. Oh. Do you remember Quint's story that he tells? When they're, like, sitting in the boat and they're just finished singing. Or no. They're not singing. They haven't sung yet. They're, like, talking about their scars. Chief Rhodey, Hooper, and Quint. And they're telling their scar stories. Hooper, he's like, you know how I got this? You know how I got this scar? He's pointing at his chest. And he's like... Mariana Moffat, she broke my heart. I don't know. <laughs> and then Quince tells this horrible story about how he's on the ship and the ship got torpedoed and people are getting eaten by sharks. <gasps> and he's like, black eyes, like a doll's eye. Do you remember that story? No. You know I, I've watched that movie once. The, the one time I watched it was with you. Well, this Jaws was a movie of my childhood. I watched it like a million times. I watched it with my, like, I watched it... Me and my friend, Mackenzie, used to watch it all the time, and I don't know. It's like one of those movies you watch all the time, and I, you know, who else watched this movie was um, Ariana Grande, and she had a Jaws-themed birthday party when she was, like, little, and they watched Jaws, and it traumatized all the other little kids. I love that. that movie. Yeah. And, I mean, I, yeah, I love that, too. (laughs) The USS in Indianapolis... It was a... I'm going to be, like, specific about, like, some of the ships and, like, what they are because some people, like, know what these things are. I personally don't know what, like... Like, for instance, they're... I don't know. I can't... I gotta, like, look up a name. Or, like, there's, like, planes and stuff in here and maybe someone knows what a PV-1 Ventura is, like... I'm just going to include those just because some people know that stuff and they like that stuff. And because they know, like, these things, what they are. I don't. I just know. Oh, it's a ship. Oh, it's a submarine. Oh, that's a a plane flown by um, Tom Cruise in Top Gun. I don't know. Stuff like that. Anyway, so it, the USS Indianapolis, um, it was a Portland class heavy cruiser um, of the United States Navy. It was launched in 1931, so that's, like, when it was first, like, put in... when it started, people started using it as 1931. It was named after Indianapolis, Indiana, and it was a flagship. So, a, flag, a flagship is a ship used by a commanding officer of a group of naval ships. Okay. So there's like a group of naval ships, and then the flagship is the one that the commanding officer is on. And isn't that one of the ships that you use when you're playing Battleship? I'm, I think so. I can't remember. I remember I used to like 
You know, when you're like, oh, I just hit this ship. Yeah, I, I you remember. sunk my battleship. You s- yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, like, the the one that people land on, like, that big one. Yeah. There's, like, destroyers. I feel like my brother would know, but. Yeah. I don't know. This is just a heavy cruiser. I don't really. Okay. I personally don't know. So, it's a flagship used for, um, it's called the Scouting Force One, which was. Scouting Force was the reconnaissance, like, during World War II, and then it was Battle Force was the ones that, like, actually fight. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting. So it was a flagship for eight years. So then it was a flagship for Admiral Raymond Spruance for a year in 1943 to 1944. And then in July 1945, the USS Indianapolis, it was under the command of Captain Charles McVeigh, and so this is July 1945, and it completed a top-secret high-speed trip to deliver uranium and other parts for a little boy. Do you know what little boy is? No. So little boy is one of the atomic bombs. Oh, So okay. there's little boy and fat man. And little boy was the atomic bomb dropped on Hiroshima. Okay, okay, yeah. And then fat man was the one dropped on Nagasaki. Okay. And Little Boy was dropped on August 6, 1945, and killed 66,000 people. Oh, my goodness. And only 20,000 of those people were military. So, the rest were just regular people. That's so terrible. And then Fat Man did its, like, own stuff. I think... Um, from what I was reading about the differences between Little Boy and Batman, Batman, I don't know, like, I guess they were made differently, but I was, I was reading about Batman and how that's, like, people are dying of, like, leukemia and stuff yeah. and all the radiation, but I didn't really see that for Little Boy, so I don't know. Well, yeah, well, I remember reading a book, um, it was, like, a fiction book back, well, I mean, I, I guess it's, like, historical yeah. fiction back when I was like learning about this and it was about like Hiroshima and then like a bunch of people were dying of leukemia yeah yeah and it's just it's just I'm I think it was called something about the paper cranes I don't know okay yeah that's all I remember um but yeah so this is like what they're doing so it's top secret like people even like higher ups in the navy didn't know what the USS Annapolis was doing like it is Top secret, radio silence, they, so. Only, only. Only a select few knew. Only Tom Cruise. Yeah, well, Tom Cruise is not I'm just kidding. in any of this. Um, he would know. I'm just kidding. Um, so they brought the parts to uh, the, the Tinian Island, which had an air, U.S. Air, air Force base on it, and that was, like, they were the ones, like, going to fly the the actual atomic bomb okay. and drop it. And then it dubbed, then so they dropped off the parts and then departed for the Philippines. And then on July 30th in 1945, yeah, so 0115, which is 1215 a.m., um, the ship was torpedoed by an Imperial Japanese Navy sub. 
Um, and the sub was an I-58, and it was captained by Commander uh, Makashura Hashimoto. And we'll actually come back to Hashimoto, because he's super interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and two Type 95 torpedoes hit the starboard side, one in the bow and one in the midship. Mid, um, I think, is the bow the front of the ship? And the stern is the back, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. So it hit the front and, like, the middle of the ship. And then because... Uh, so the explosions caused massive damage. And because of, like, the ship's history during, like, World War II, there's a bunch of stuff, like, built on the top of it. So it was very top-heavy. And once the all that damage was caused, because it was so top-heavy... 12 minutes after the torpedoes hit it, the Indianapolis rolled completely over. Oh, my goodness. The stern rose up in the air, and then the whole ship sunk. And 300 crewmen... So, there, before anything happened, there was a total of 1,195 crewmen on the ship. Okay. So, 300 crewmen went down with the ship. They're, They're gone. So, then there was... 890 crew uh, that were set adrift in the ocean with very little um, very little lifeboats and life jackets. And so the men were then stuck in the ocean for three and a half days. Because remember, this was like radio silence. Oh, wow. They did send an SOS. But yeah, we'll get no to- one knew that they were out there. Yeah, no one knew that they were out there. So they were like... Because it was so secret, like, and I'll get into, like, the shadiness, like, no shade to the U.S. Navy. They're gonna come after you. I'm just kidding. I mean, I, you know, I, you know, respect our troops and stuff, but the stuff that happened to these men, like, the stuff kind of is sketch. Just, I'm, I'll let you know. I'll get to it. Okay. Um, so, the... Be- okay, so the Navy command did not know the sinking. They were out there for three and a half days. Uh, many of the men were injured. They all suffered from lack of food and water and and some of the the um, debris that people have found some like crackers and some spam and they were able to eat a little bit. But they were suffering from dehydration and hypernatremia and hypernatremia is like um, like, a high sodium content in, like, their bloodstreams in their brain, and that causes, like, really bad stuff to happen, like, to you. I mean, it's, and, I'm, like, getting, I don't know why, like, hearing, like, stuff about, I don't know, I'm just getting all tingly now. I'm yeah, like, well, it only gets worse, so they're exposed to the elements. So, again, they were dehydrated in the day, and they were suffering from hypothermia at night because they're in the ocean. Yeah. They're literally floating in the ocean, like, trying to, like, some of them didn't have life jackets the ocean or anything. so scary. And you can't really, you can't sleep. No. Because you have to keep paddling. Yes. And it's terrible. And so they suffered from de- a severe uh, desquamation. And I was like, Squamous makes me think of shark, because in Jaws they say Squamous. But I think it, it's, like, in reference to, 
I saw something about like descaling, but basically desquamization was um, skin peeling slash burning. Oh, you because they were exposed to because of the exposure of salt water in like bunker oil from the from the ship sinking, like. So the oil in the salt water like was burning their skin and oh, like their terrible. skin was peeling like they not only were they like in the sun during the day and freezing at night they're starving they were like dehydrated suffering from hyponatremia their skin was like peeling and horrible horrible stuff they were also being attacked by sharks sharknado oh no they Hundreds of sharks were drawn to the wreck because of the noise of the explosions oh and goodness. the scent of blood in the water. So, then this is, like, what was talked about in Jaws. And honestly, I was reading about it and how Jaws actually, like, created, like, more attention to what happened. Because a lot of people don't know this story and, it, like, you watch it and you're like, oh my goodness, it's horrible. And then you find out, like, that's a real thing. Yeah. Um, so hundreds of sharks were drawn to the wreck and they were picking off the dead because so many of them like were dead. Yeah. So they're picking off the dead and then they started, they began to attack the, the survivors. That's terrible. And the deaths attributed to the sharks range from a few dozen to like 150. Like there's not like an exact number. Yeah. Cause you can't really tell like. Because they could have gotten them after they died, yeah. before, who knows. And, like, I mean, the, it's, like, hard, because of what they're going through, it's, like, not reliable, like, they're not really reliable. Yeah. But, so, then on August 2nd, at 10, uh, 25, I'm pretty sure a.m., a P one or PV one Ventura, flown by Lieutenant Wilbur Chuck Gwynn, and his co-pilot Warren Colwell, and a PBY two Catalina, was flown by Bill Kitchen, and they were doing a routine patrol flight, and they saw they spotted all these men like adrift, and this is like three and a half days. That'd be so scary if you're just like flying and then you look down and you're like whoa whoa yeah there's a bunch of people there yeah so they saw all these people and then um like this one like water rescue plane tried to come and rescue these people but there's too many there's too many men and they were like he's trying to strap them to the wings because he can only fit like 70 guys in his plane and tried to strap them to the wings and then it made his plane un- unflyable and so then they had to get a bunch of ships to come. And the first ship that showed up was the USS Cecil J. Doyle. And it was, like, the first of seven ships. And they picked up, like, all these ships picked up the survivors. And um, there were only uh, 316 survivors out of the 1,095 1,000, uh, oh. men. That's so crazy. Yeah. It's so sad. So, um, July 30th, the Indianapolis was when, was, that's when they were supposed to arrive at, I think it's like Lely, Philippines. I'm probably saying that wrong. I don't know really how to say it. Um, so on July 30th, that 
that's like when they were supposed to arrive and the person who's in charge of like the board or whatever they just removed the ship from the board because they're like okay it's july 30th there's no reason to not think that the ship didn't make it so they removed it from the board so no one was like thinking about it either and that was lieutenant stewart b gibson and he failed to investigate why the uss never actually made it either it's like the uss indianapolis never made it like and he didn't investigate why oh okay he's like whatever so there's a navy official statement i have to find it hold on one second um so the first official statement the navy had said that the distress calls were keyed by radio operators and possibly were actually transmitted, but no evidence had been developed that any distress message from the ship was received by any ship, aircraft, or shore station. So then, like, they're like, okay, well, there's actually no evidence that they made a distress call either. So, like, we're not at fault. Then... So, declassified records later showed that three stations received the signals. So, their their SOS signals. They're trying to they're get made help. They're Mayday help us. One of the stations, the commander was too drunk to act on it. Boo. The other one, the they had ordered his men not to disturb him at all. Hmm. And then the third one, who had received these SOS signals, was like, it's, it's a Japanese trap. Like, we're not gonna, this is a trap. That's ridiculous. It is. And like, it's so sad. So, Jesse Way, it only gets sadder. So, like I said, the USS Indianapolis was, like, captained by uh, Charles McVeigh. And on November 1944, he was court-martialed. Okay. So he was brought into, like, military court. Interesting. To, uh, but we'll get to that. Um, so during this whole incident, he was injured, um, but he survived. And he was the last person, because, you know, the captain always goes down with his ship. He was the last person to leave his ship. So the Navy Court of Inquiry uh, decided to court-martial him. And they were charging him with failing to zigzag... What? Because they were taught to zigzag so they didn't get hit by torpedoes by submarines. And failure to order abandoned ship at, in a timely manner. They okay. had 12 minutes before the ship They're sunk. victim blaming. Come on. Yes. Like, like he did, yeah, maybe he could have. You look back and you're like, oh, they could have done this and they could have done this and they could have, like, they could have prevented it, but. Just. What? Just you wait. They could have responded to the SOS. Just you wait. So the Navy had prior knowledge of Japanese submarines being identified in that water, and that was withheld from the court. They didn't tell the court at all that, oh, in the past there had been things, there had been submarines, and it also was withheld from McVeigh right before he set sail. So they actually told him... Like, there may be some, but they didn't say 100% sure there would be some in the water. I mean, I feel like they'd say that to anyone. They'd be like, oh, yeah, watch out, because you're literally at war. Yeah, 
But, and so they withheld all that information from the court. So the people who are, like, judging him or whatever, they didn't have that information. And wait, I'll get to the point where you find out there was, they had an actual cause to tell him that there were actual, some like, Japanese submarines. I'll, I'll tell you in a second. So they actually got Hashimoto. Remember I told you he yes. commanded the Japanese submarine that torpedoed the USS Indianapolis. So they got him to, um, yeah, he was put on record saying that visibility was actually really good for them and that there was no chance that even if he did zigzag, even if uh, McVeigh zigzagged the boat, there's no chance that they would not be able to torpedo them. Like, he was like, we had you, like... He's yeah. not, it's not his fault. Like, we were going to torpedo, we we're going to be able to torpedo him no matter what. So this, he's a homie and he's trying to help out this captain. That's just, like, super interesting about war is that, like, not everyone in war is necessarily, like, a terrible person. Mm-hmm. And they're just doing their jobs and they have, like, respect for each other, even though they are literally, like, supposed to be, well, like, I mean, enemies. Like, captain to a captain, even though they're, like, enemies, it's, like... You're a fellow captain. I wouldn't, like... I could see you, bro. Like, come on. Yeah. So he was, like... He said that visibility was so good that zigzagging would not have made a difference. And they had, like, officials, like... They had people who knew stuff about, like, the zigzagging maneuvers. And they're saying that's not reliable to avoiding torpedoes. And Hashimoto even said, like, yeah, no, it's not reliable and we were going to get you no matter what. He's like, I'm a good shot. I was going to get to you no matter what. Because visibility was so good. Well, that's like, you know, when you... I think it's like when you are being chased by, like, a certain animal or when you're, like, being shot at, you're supposed to, like, run You're 17. Yeah. Well, like, imagine you survive this whole thing and you go to court and then they're like oh well you should have run in a zigzag so also we're you people deserve being shot huh we like what? we yeah and i know that doesn't make sense like that's it's victim blaming honestly yeah. but think about we're like humans it's way easier for us to zigzag than a ship this is a huge ship how yeah. do you zigzag you try like i can't even zigzag my car yeah how do you zigzag your car like a ship like that's a slow zigzag i'm pretty sure those torpedoes are like the pool torpedoes that you throw those things are fast <laughs> um so the court held him responsible for failing to zigzag um they just want to blame someone, and yes. they don't want that someone to yeah. be them, so... Well, so McVeigh, he had actually requested an, a, a destroyer escort of the Indianapolis because he was worried that they were going to be attacked, and he requested this before they, like, set sail, and then the Navy was like, no, like, we're too busy, like, in the war. Like, we can't give you an escort. He's like, well, I'm in the war too. Help me out. Yeah, like we're like, what about? He's like, what about my men? And we are literally, like, we're changing the tide of the war. Like, we are helping, like, so that the United States can drop these bombs on Japan. Like, and then, um, in July twenty fourth. Okay, so then this is where, so this is I don't think this is talked about in court. This is just what happened. Um, so July 24th in 1945, six days before the sinking of the Indianapolis, uh, was sunk, a ship called Underhill, 
and it was a destroyer, was sunk by a Japanese sub in, like, the same area around there. But McVeigh was not informed of this due to classified intelligence. So, you know how I was telling you earlier that, like, they had prior knowledge of, like, Japanese submarine activity, but they didn't inform anyone? They just said, oh, there might be. But they had actual... An actual ship was sunk, and they didn't tell McVeigh that. Like, they kept that hidden because of of classified intelligence. But I'm like... If you're oh. sending someone into the lion's den, and you're not gonna tell them, like, like That what? someone just got eaten by a lion? Yeah. That's... Like, I'm like, I don't understand how that is more classified than, like, delivering parts to an atomic bomb. Like, I feel like you can tell a classified thing to another classified thing. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Like, just, like, especially, like, just tell tell the captain. You don't have to tell all 1,195 people. You just need to tell one person, and then that person knows, and then they can do what they will. Yeah. And, again, they're literally blaming all of this on McVeigh. They're saying he's one. He didn't zigzag. It's all his fault. <sighs> and so, yeah, he was born to potential activity, but not an actual... Event that happened. That's so dumb. So, in the entirety of the war, 380 ships were lost in World War II. That's a lot. During combat. So, 380 ships. McVeigh was the only captain to be court-martialed. That's so weird. See, I, like, don't understand because it's, like, there's actually no, like... Like, there's no really real reason for him to be court-martialed. Like, it's literally, they just want someone to blame. I... So, it was widely felt that he was, like, the Navy's fall guy. And that's why they're putting all this blame onto him. And not, like, the people in, like, actual, like, the Navy command. Like, the higher-ups. It's always the higher-ups' fault, but then they blame, like... The actual people are doing yeah. all the dirty work, and I'm like, it's really you're you're the you're the brain, and we're the arms. The brain is what should go to jail, not the arms, right? That's and you know when people steal things in the olden days, they used to cut off people's yeah. thumbs. Your brain did that. Now your thumbs. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so. McVeigh lost his seniority. Like, he... Aww. And which is, like... I mean, in, like, jobs and stuff, yeah, you, like, you, people get demoted, and it's, like, terrible. But I feel like in the the military, it's, like, such a, a different level. Yeah, it's, like... It's sort of, like, a... I don't know what the right word is. Like, like your pride gets knocked down. Yeah, like, it's... A bit. I like, feel like it's such, like, a betrayal. Like, yeah. It's, like, it, that's a big deal. It is a big deal because of, like, so, yeah, I would say, like... It's, like, your honor is, yes, like... Yes, your honor is put into question. That's basically what's happening to him. And he just, like, I mean, I'll get into it. Because um, then he goes home and they're all, like, ew, you didn't do everything yeah. you could for my country. And then he's, like, oh, but I did. Exactly. Um, so he lost his seniority, but his sentence was overturned, so he didn't, like, have to, like, get, like, I don't know. I don't know if they would, like, have, like, arrested him and put him in jail. I don't really know. 
but his sentence was overturned by Secretary James Forstall um, because of McVeigh's past bravery. Like, so, I mean, McVeigh was, like, a war hero. He was, like, a captain of, like, this most important mission. Like, yeah. And so, like, he's got, like, a good, he's got, like, good history under his belt. Like, he is basically, like, a war hero for other things. And, um, so then later he, McVeigh, retired from the Navy in 1949. And he would get, like, so his, the survivors of the, the, like, his crew, like, his crew, the, the, the men that survived, they didn't really blame him. But he, like, the families of the dead, some of them blamed him. And so they would write letters blaming him. And I have to read you one of the letters, which is... So sad, because I'm sure he already feels guilty, because, like, how could you not feel guilty? Yeah. Like, he's a human being. He seems like a good person. And, of course, you would feel guilty. And... The survivor's guilt. It, yeah, plus, it's survivor's guilt, plus, plus the you. Navy saying you're a horrible person. Yeah, and, and then he's he, the captain. Yeah, and, like, and then he's the captain, and then he has families sending him things. So... One time, he got a letter that said, Merry Christmas! Our family's holiday would be a lot merrier if you didn't, if you hadn't killed my son. So then he had people writing him terrible letters. Like, being upset with him. And, um, he... Where am I? So, yeah. So he had the letters. And... Like, he had just, like, he felt so guilty, um, and he was treated so terribly, like, not, like, by the people who are supposed to, like, by, just, by all these people, and then on November 6th in 1968, McVeigh actually killed himself. He shot himself with his, like, Navy-issued, like, service pistol. Um, he died holding a toy soldier that he had from his childhood in his hand. And it was, like, his, like, it was his, like, little good luck token thing. And he always had that with him, so he died holding that. And it also said that he suffered from loneliness and stuff because his wife had died from cancer in 1961. And so it's just, like, all these, like, really sad things. And, um, so I feel like it's just really sad. So, we're going to fast forward to, he was only seven, he was seven years old when he killed himself. Oh. So, we're going to fast forward to 1966. Okay. So, oh, not 1966, sorry, 1996, um, there is a sixth grade student, um, his name is Hunter Scott. And he was doing, like, a school project, and he wanted to do it about the sinking of the Indianapolis, like, for his, like, his history class. And his, in his research, his effort led to, like, national publicity. Oh, wow. And so it got the attention of, like, a congressional lobbyist named Michael um, Maroney. And... Who had been, like, scheduled to be assigned to Indianapolis. Like, so he was, like, supposed to, like, be on that ship, but then he didn't. Mm -hmm. So, like, yeah. So he got the attention of, like, 
of that guy. He got attention of like another captain. His name was like William Totley. Uh, and um, so uh, Maroney brought the matter of attention to his son-in-law who was on the staff of a senator who is from like New Hampshire. And then they like had like a committee and they had like this committee, the Senate Armed Services Committee, where they were talking about uh, Charles McVeigh. This is like, of course, posthumously because he has been dead for like, yeah. a while. And they were talking about like how he was like terribly treated and how like he needs to be like, like he needs justice. So this community met on September 14th in 1999, so it's a little bit later. And in this committee, several Indianapolis survivors testified. And they had the they also had to testify in they they also had to testify in like hearings with the vice chief of naval um Naval Operations, Admiral Donald Pilling, and the director of the Naval History Center, and the judge advocate general of the Navy, Rear Admiral, uh, these are a bunch of names I don't understand, but John Hudson, and they were trying to sway Warner, uh, senator, like a senator, into allowing a sense of Congress resolution and clearing Captain McVeigh's name, and so this ended up being passed, like, by a full Congress vote, the United States Congress passed a resolution that Captain McVeigh's record should state that he is exonerated for the loss at Indianapolis. And then President, at the time, Bill Clinton, also signed the petition. So the resolution noted, uh, noted that although several hundred ships of the U.S. Navy were lost in combat during World War II, McVeigh was the only captain to be court-martialed for the sinking of ship. In 19, oh, sorry, in July 2001, the United States Secretary of the Navy, Gordon England, directed Captain Tolley to enter the congressional language, enter, to enter the congressional language into McVeigh's official Navy service record, clearing him of all wrongdoing. So, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so this all started from a little sixth grader. Aww. Which mad respect. Sixth graders can make a difference. Let's see what he looks like. Hunter Scott. Oh, nope. Nothing. But, oh, he actually became interested. He wanted to do it because he watched Jaws. I love. Yes. And um, so a little other extra info on, uh, like, Hashimoto. I was looking up him. Like, he actually, after, like, after his, like, war time or whatever, he ended up becoming, like, a priest. That's really interesting. Yeah, and I just think it's so crazy, like, what happened, and so sad, what happened to Charles McVeigh, like, he was treated terribly, like, terribly, and, like, he went through this, like, horrible, traumatic experience. he went down with the ship, and then he was able to survive, and was almost eaten by sharks, and almost... And then had to go through being court-martialed, and everyone blaming him for the ship sinking, when... He's still, he's, like, still not sleeping at night, probably, because his skin is about to peel off. Yeah. Like, what? I don't know. I just thought it was so sad. 
And people are like, the Navy was being sketched. And I agree that the Navy was being sketched to him. And it was terrible. But. Wow, I've, like, never. I mean, I feel like I've heard of, like, the USS Indianapolis. Like, maybe. But, like, I don't. I didn't know this story. Yeah, there is. um, Because I would have remembered sharks. (laughs) Honestly, because I thought it was going to, like, just be, like, looking into a ship that, like, people got attacked by sharks, and then, because that's all I knew about it, but then there's, like, all this other stuff that happened, like, yeah, it's crazy. It's, like, a big story. It is a big story, and I feel like it's, a, it was a crime what happened to... An injustice, a miscarriage is, of justice. It was definitely a miscarriage of justice. Thank you so much for listening and supporting our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Crimes Through the Times. And look for us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and Apple Podcasts.